The poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Hi, I'd like to welcome you again as we continue in our study in the book of Exodus and what a wonderful book this is turning out to be. Let's start first with asking God for his help. Lord, we are so conscious today of how much we need you. We need you, Lord, because this book, though given to us, Lord, we need you to open this book to us and to teach us and to show us, most of all, our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Now, we're going to continue as we have in the study of this book, in, uh, in, in this, this passage here. This is such an important area, such an important passage here of the calling of Moses, but beyond just the calling of Moses, we see deep, wonderful truths. And so that's why we're spending a little bit extra time in here. And what we'll do now is just to refresh ourselves with the passage, we will start and read again in Exodus chapter three, verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should bring that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? 
And God said, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto thee, unto you. And God said, Moreover, unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So here we are. This is a tremendous passage here. And it is so pregnant with truth. And what we want to do is just to look at just parts of it here. And, and as we do, we feel like we're barely scratching the surface for all the truth that's contained here. But in verse 13, we've sort of camped out a little bit on this fact where Moses is asking uh, God that when he goes to the Jewish people, and he, and he says to them uh, uh, that God, the God of their fathers, has sent me unto them. He's saying to them that he says, they're going to say to me, what is his name? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, they shall say to me, what is his name? How did he know? How did Moses know that the people would say that, that they're going to say, what is his name? How was Moses so sure that this was going to be the very topic? Moses was sure because Moses now is speaking as a priest. You see, the, the, the difference between the prophet and the priest is that the prophet speaks for God to the people but the priest speaks to God from the people. The priest is, as it says in Hebrews, every priest is taken from among men. And that's the key to the understanding of the word priest. He is from among men. And Moses now, when he asks this question, what is his name? He is speaking from among the Jewish people. He is taken from among the Jewish people. He speaks for the Jewish people. So now with the heart of the Jewish people, with knowing what the Jewish people have on their mind, he says, I know because I am their representative. I am their priest. I represent them. And standing in this place of representation, I know what's going to be foremost on their heart and on their mind. And what is that? It is, what is his name? What is his name? This is very important for us to understand because the Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He is our great, our big, as the word is gadol, our big high priest, our great high priest. He's our priest. So when he makes intercession for us, as our priest, he speaks for us. He says, he says, Father, do not destroy the people, for I became part of the people, and he did. The Lord Jesus Christ did when he was born a Jewish man, as among the people, not as one who, who was recognized as so distinctly different, because as it says in Isaiah 53, that when we should see him, there's no beauty in him that we should desire him, that even the, his enemies, when they looked at him, they said, is not this the, the carpenter Joseph's son? Is not this the son of Mary? He's nothing, nothing, because he was blended in. He was a part of of the people, and as such, he was qualified to speak for the people, to be a priest of the people, and so 
He, knowing that our greatest need is the sin that separates us from God, set his life as part of us and as among us to die for the sins of the people, to make intercession for the people, to make them a people prepared for God. And so this we see Moses in this place here when he's saying, when he knows, he not, he's not saying, no, I think they might say, but he's saying they shall say to me in verse Verse 13, they shall say to me, what is his name? He knows because he's speaking, is representing the Jewish people at that point. And so he poses this question to God and he says, what is his name? Now Moses is now visualizing also in his mind what it's gonna be like when he comes to the Jewish people. He's walking it through in his mind, and he tells them, he sees himself telling them that the God of their fathers has sent him to them, and he's now anticipating in his mind that they're going to say to them, yeah, so what's his name? And this God of yours, Moses, this God of yours, and you say, this is the God of our fathers, so tell us, Moses, what's his name? And he's afraid. Moses is also afraid because Moses is so afraid of another failure. Moses has looked back on his life. He's had a lot of time during this 40 years, the second period of his life, second period of 40 years. And during this 40 years, he's had a lot of time to look back, which he's done, and he sees failure, 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 one right after the other. He was in the position of a prince, Moses was, a prince in Egypt, and Moses failed to work that leverage that he had to deliver the Jewish people out of Egypt. Moses failed as he had to run for his life out of Egypt, and as Moses pictures in his life, how he was he just barely getting out by the skin of his teeth, and, and Pharaoh was just, you could almost feel the claws of Pharaoh at every juncture of his leaving, of his own personal exodus, let's say, out of Egypt, and as Pharaoh was trying to kill him, and he saw that and he says, oh, what a failure I was to leverage the position I had as prince to get my people delivered out of Egypt. And the position of one of the Jewish people who might persuade the Jewish people, it's another position he had. And he was one of them, one of the Jewish people. He was in a position to try to attempt that he might persuade, possibly, the Jewish people to accept him as their leader, to accept him as the one who was going to deliver them, to accept him, accept him as, their, as, the, as the one who would, who would bring them all together so that they could leave. And Moses looks back on that and he says, failure, I failed there again. I failed as the Jewish people pushed me away, and whatever hard I tried, however hard I tried, my report card was when the Jewish people shoved me away, rejected me, and said to me those, those, those searing words, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? They spoke to me with words of despisal. They spoke to me in an attitude of rejection. They spoke to me as they reproached me, as they rebuked me for even thinking that I could be a prince, I could be a judge over them. Forget about it, they said, in essence, no. And even now, even now in the position of one who could bring the knowledge of God 
because the people of God had gotten far from God. The Jewish people had gotten far from God there in Egypt, and they needed the knowledge of God, and Moses had the knowledge of God. So he looks at himself and he said, I am a man with the knowledge of God, going to a people who need the knowledge of God. And as he looks at that in his own life, and again, he has to say, my, I'm the person with the knowledge of God, my own wife, the closest one to me on earth. My own wife doesn't have the knowledge of God. My own wife, and later on we're going to see this, how Moses failed with his own wife. He failed with his bride to bring her the knowledge of God as we're gonna see how his wife refused to let Moses circumcise their son. And when finally it came to the point where it was such a conflict between Moses and God that actually God was to the point where he was going to kill Moses over this issue, and when his wife saw that, and Moses was evidently on his deathbed and couldn't do it, his wife rose up, took a knife, and grabbed her son and circumcised him, and then threw the foreskin and said to her husband Moses, a bloody husband, Thou art to me because of the circumcision. What does that show in the attitude of his wife? It shows in the attitude of his wife that she was not sympathetic to the circumcision, much less to the God of circumcision, the Lord, the God of Moses. She was not on that page. And as Moses looked at that, that hurt. That hurt a lot. When that wife of his took and, and threw the, the foreskin and said, a bloody husband thou art to me because of the circumcision, that hurt a lot. That hurt a lot in many, many different areas. That hurt because of their relationship together. It was shot, and that hurt Moses. That hurt a lot because of the display that she has, was making in front of their child, and that hurt Moses a lot. And it also hurt because Moses looked at this woman, his wife, and said, oh, it's not me she's throwing that foreskin and saying those words against, it's God. She's put herself in a very dangerous position, and that hurt. That hurt the husband Moses. But you know what hurt him also? It hurt him because when she did that display, of the bloody husband thou art to me with the foreskin and the knife and all the drama and the blood. What that hurt, Moses has said, I failed. I failed to bring my wife into the knowledge of God. Now I'm gonna go and bring the Jewish people in the knowledge of God? What are my credentials? Color me Mr. Failure in the home. Moses the father, Moses the teacher, Moses the spiritual leader in the home. Failed! And that hurt, that hurt a lot when she went through that tirade, tirade there. And so he looks back over his own life and he says to himself, failure, 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 failure. And Moses was weary with being a failure. He was worn out, he was tired, he was tired of being a failure. And now, because God's called him, he's about to embark on this next great venture to deliver the Jewish people, and Moses wants so much just not to fail. Not another failure, please. And so he's anticipating all the obstacles that are gonna be in his way as he goes out, as he's gonna go do what God says. He's resolved to go and obey God. Thank God, and, and, and good, Moses, good, to not let, as Paul said, 
the things which are behind me, he says, but he, he presses forward, forgetting those things which are behind, is the way Paul put it. And Moses is now, as regard to all these failures, is forgetting those things which are behind, and he's pressing forward for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we see Moses doing that, pressing forward. But he's trying to, he, he says, okay, forget the past, but I don't want to fail again. And so the, the last time Moses tried to deliver the Jewish people, he was caught on the spot. He was caught unprepared. He was caught by surprise. By surprise of what? The rejection of the Jewish people. It caught him off guard, caught him on the spot. And he wondered now, he wondered as he looked at this, how it all happened, how he was caught off guard, how he was surprised, how he was so unprepared. And he thought about it, back on it. He wondered, how was he found out to be the killer of that Egyptian? What happened? It said explicitly there that Moses looked this way and he looked that way before he killed that Egyptian. But, and he didn't see anyone, but obviously Moses was seen by the Jewish people, by somebody, because the next day they taunted him with the call in Exodus 2.14, and he said, and who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill us, to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. See, that was the words of a man who is caught off guard, caught on the spot, caught, uh, he's surprised. And that fear that it says Moses had was also a shock fear because he knew that he had failed to prepare and he knew that he had failed to anticipate what happened and he was caught off guard by that statement. And now it's 40 years since that happened and Moses is still afraid of being caught off guard, of being caught unprepared, of being caught by surprise. And so he's afraid. He's afraid to fail. And he can see himself standing in front of all those Jewish people and, and he says, God sent me to you, with a big smile on his face, and then being put on the spot again, being unprepared, being caught off guard. And so he asks God for the answer to the question that he anticipates. I know they're going to ask me, what is God's name who sent you to us? So tell us, Moses, what's his name? You're the one who knows all about God, so tell us what his name is then. And that is one angle for why Moses was asking God this question. But let's expand this a little more. And why Moses was asking that question into a, let's expand it into a little bit of a deeper consideration. Because for us as believers, Moses is not just the great deliverer of the Jewish people and the giver of the law of God, we put ourselves in the place of the believing Jews at that time, and there was at least Joshua and Caleb, and we see Moses as our speaker, and we say, oh, good, Moses speaks for us. Moses says what we want to say. And seeing ourselves as one of those believers, we see Moses again, as we've been talking about, as our priest, our priest, very similar to the Jewish people and uh, the very small remnant of, Jew of believing Jews, for the Jewish people, the Lord Jesus Christ is not their speaker, is not their priest. They have totally rejected him as that. But by contrast, for example, the, the small remnant of Joshua and Caleb out of two million, 
By contrast, for the Jewish believers, the Lord Jesus Christ is their speaker. He is their priest. And so as a priest, Moses is our representative, and he speaks for us. And what he says here are our words. And here he's speaking for us, and he's asking what every believer wants to know. He's asking what you want to know. He's asking what I want to know. The desire of every believer, the desire of every awakened soul is to know who God is. It's to know who God is. As a matter of fact, we, you can sort of almost divide everybody in the world into one of two categories, and there are those who want to know who God is, and they care to know God's name, and then there are those who don't want to know, who could not care less, who, of whom it is no, no interest at all as to who God is, as to what his name is. But the desire of every believer, of every awakened soul, is to know who God is, to want to know him. And there comes a time in the life of little children, and that time arrives in the case of little children when their God consciousness seems to wake up, seems to blossom like a flower. The time has come. It's the time of God bloom. It's a time of the opening up. And we see that, the consciousness, the awakeness, and they want to know who God is. And they come to the place where they want someone who knows to tell them who God is. They may express it by saying something like, what does God look like? Where does God live? And just what is he like? What is God like? And they want to know. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ meant when he said, unless you become as a little child, you won't enter into heaven. Unless you have that bloom of spring, and like the flowers that open up, and they want to know who God is and that God consciousness, the Lord Jesus Christ said, you can't get to the kingdom of heaven. You can't get to heaven unless you have that. You know, there's a wonderful flower in Israel, and it only blooms at night. And I, I saw it when I was there, and it's closed during the day, but during the nighttime, that flower opens up. It's really amazing. It's an amazing flower. I don't know why it does this, because all the other flowers open up to catch the sunlight, but this flower seems to open up really at the end of the day. It catches a little bit of the sun, and then it's open during the night, and it closes in the morning. And you know, that flower is a wonderful example of how a believer becomes a believer, because every person has the nighttime that falls into their lives. Most people are like most flowers in that they open up when everything is going great in life, when the sunshine is there. But when it all gets, it, when it all gets, it gets really hard and really difficult, and like at night, they close up. And, but a person who finds God a person for whom uh, heaven is his destination is the one who in the nighttime of his life opens up and says, oh God, I open myself to you, just like that flower in Israel. And so Moses here, he, he, he's speaking for us and, and we're like a little children and, 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 and that's what happened to us as believers. Our soul was in a, was, was in a sort of a death sleep and then all of a sudden our souls woke up and the question 
came to us, and that's when really when new life began, when we came to that place. So Paul came to in Acts 9.5 in the nighttime of his life when he was on the road to Damascus seeking to, to persecute and, and kill Christians and put them in prison and so forth. And on that nighttime of his life, it was so hard for him. And he was, as it says, he was, his life was like trying to kick against thorns. It's, it was hard for him to kick against the pricks. And when God stopped him on that road in this nighttime, in, in Acts of his life, Acts 9, 5, it says, and, he, and the first words that Paul said is he said, Who art thou, Lord? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. Poor people of Loreto in Baja California have been hit hard by the COVID-19 virus shutdown, and they need food. Friendship with God is delivering food directly to their homes. Go to www.friendshipwithgod.org and look for the Loreto Need banner to donate or call 619-599-1104. God bless you.